What's up? We're live. Road to Redemption podcast. We're back. And uh, man, I've been having so much fun with this. I, I think about the podcast all the time now. It's kind of, it's really found to be, um, I found it to be my platform of choice here anymore. So maybe that means the other ones will start to dwindle or whatever. I don't know. I really, really like this one. So I hope you guys are having an amazing week. I think the last time we talked I uploaded one Sunday, so today's Tuesday. I hope you guys are having an amazing start off to your week, um, and I think we have a good show for you. So go ahead and lock back, kick in, relax, uh, get your mood all set up to be ready to think, think about some stuff. We got a big itinerary um, today. I'll go ahead and read the notes off as to what I got. First one is political. I, I feel like the last couple. I've gone way more political than usual, and I think it's just for my exposure to it, being around it uh, in the office all day, I hear about it. But it may I still think that I have a, a pretty good perspective of I'm not taking one side or the other in either case. I'm just telling them as the situation actually is. This one's only a little bit political just because it has to do with separating parties. So it's We the People, Not We the Political Party by pinning everyone against each other why do people support? So pretty much what I'm trying to say there in that confusing sentence is the basis of America, and you hear that on both sides, this is what America is. America is freedom. America is we'll, we'll take you in, we'll, we'll make sure you're safe, and we'll get you set up on a, on a right li- uh, correct life. That's how one side sees it. The other one sees it as this is America. We keep our, our borders secure and our things safe and This is how we the people, both people are saying that, representing the same America, right? It's supposed to be we the people, and that also includes we the people take care of each other. We don't, you know, try to bite each other's heads off over the government. It's we the people, we'll figure it out. But what it's turned to is we the Republicans, we the Democrats. That's literally the opposite of what we the people stands for. You're turning to, I'm putting my faith in the government. I don't know if you guys remember the stories. That's literally why America was created, to stop that from happening. Because government had way too much control over things. But now, at the time that they have almost the most control that they've ever had, we're still choosing the government instead of choosing the people to settle our own problems. I thought that was kind of neat um, to look at because when I'm sitting in the office all day, man, it's you hear it and you hear it from all the all the different sides. Really, now given it's Fox News, so they're a little more conservatively biased, but you they have Democrats on the show and, and stuff like that. But what they don't often have is regular people who are not politicians, which was interesting to me. Uh, there's there's no people on there going, you know, well, what do you think about what Mike Huckabee? And they'd be like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what he's doing. I'm just trying to control what I can control here. I'm not trying to do all this. Yeah, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. I think the political divide, the race divide, all this stuff doesn't exist as much as it's fed to us to believe. Like I said, the clickbait stuff is through the roof anymore everybody's using some sort of clickbait something to get somebody to click on um whatever it is that they're doing my dog scared the crap out of me by trying to come in the room um 
it just, I don't think it exists. I think people are genuinely good people, and I think that they all, I think we all pretty much understand that there's things that are broken. We still live in the best country in the world. We, I think we can all acknowledge there's, there's holes and there's gaps, but I think as the general public, we're getting along pretty well. I just think we're made to believe it's not, so that way we can go, well, things are so broken, and there's still racism, and there's still this, and there's still that. We need the government to intervene. Well, they want us to think that, because without that, what do we need them for, right? Just, that was kind of interesting. I think that, uh, I think we still care about people, and we still believe in ourselves that we can handle it pretty good. You just have to let us at this point. And I think it may come to a point where, uh, within my kids' lifetimes at least, I hope it comes to a point where maybe they see that that rain is loosened a little bit. Maybe people get their, the people actually get their say back instead of having to ask permission to be allowed to not hate people or not divide people or keep ourselves safe or what we're allowed to do, like carry a gun or what you're allowed to drink, eat, and smoke. Like that. I think we'll take some of that back. I think I see it coming, and I think we'll definitely be there again soon. I'm going to stop saying I think. The results of not complaining for a week. So if you guys saw on my Instagram post, I put that I was taking a one-week challenge of no complaining. Uh, I could not verbally complain at all. Obviously, you can't stop the thoughts in your head. But you cannot verbally express a complaint. But you can write it. You're supposed to write every complaint that you would have said out of your mouth into the notes. Like I keep, if you have an iPhone, there's a notes app, which is what I use for the podcast all the time. You just write it down. Bing, bing, bing. It's like shooting a text. At the end of the week, you go back and read. All the times you would have said something that was a complaint, you read it. And over the week, um, I didn't have as many as I thought I would have, but I realized that I was kind of being self-conscious. Uh, or I was being aware of the fact that I was trying not to complain. So I could have stopped a thought before it was coming in if I had not just been thinking about it. Um, But it was really cool. So I I think I probably had, within a week, I think I had somewhere between 50 and 75 complaints. Most of it was pretty minor shit. Um, nothing, Nothing really of any value. And I looked and I said, okay, well challenge is over. I I don't have to do that anymore. I don't really need to post my findings. There's nothing so interesting here that uh, people would be like, oh my god, I didn't know that Cam uh, complained about being stuck in traffic. We all do. Um, Or complaining about his situation with his kids for the thousandth time. Like, you, you do realize, though, how repetitively you bitch about stuff when you actually are honest and write it down. So, I went this next week where I didn't do that. I I didn't try to stop myself. I didn't try not to complain. I just went back to being me. And I asked my wife on like Thursday or Friday, I said, you know what's funny? You know, I was doing that complaint challenge last week. And this week, I've honestly found that I just don't have any complaints. I'm easier in traffic. I It doesn't aggravate me as much when people do this or things like this come up. I just handled it and that was done. It was really interesting to see that just making a habit to not verbally complain for one week, how hardwired that changed my brain. Because, dude, I complain a lot. I'll bitch and moan and gripe about... I'm not an easy person to live with. I, uh... Sorry, coffee break. Um, 
I honestly, dude, I do. I'm such a diva. Like the other day, you know, perfect example, um, I was in the shower, and my favorite shampoo that I use, it's this Paul Mitchell tea tree and lavender, um, or tea tree and, yeah, tea tree, tea tree and lavender shampoo. I get in the shower, and I'm like, hey, honey, you know, where's where's the shampoo at? She goes, oh, we ran out. The, the new one, I already replaced the new bottle in there. I was like, well, what the hell? And I'm in there, literally, in my mind, complaining, going, but I don't, you know, I want mine. I, that's my favorite. And I'm complaining because of shampoo, which is, as I was saying in the last clip, if you guys don't know here on the podcast, I had paused, and I thought I re-recorded. So I just re-recorded about 10 minutes that only the YouTube channel will see because I lost it. I, I just stopped recording and... Uh, tried to jump back in, but I didn't hit the record button. So I've said this already. Um, but yeah, I was complaining and I was just saying that it was a total first world problem. You know, there's a kid in Bolivia or something who's 13 years old and has to carry like a hay bale on his back for seven miles uh, for work. And I'm complaining about hair care products. Silly, right? The privileges we have that we definitely take advantage of and that's what you'll find you'll find it's when you make that list of things that you honestly complain about when you genuinely say okay this I, this was something that i made an issue in my day that i was about to complain about write it down it's not very flattering but it teaches you and that's the only way you can get better is not to learn to when you learn to not let small shit bother you so much because of how privileged we are to even have that problem, it um, it changes the game. And there's a lot of situations. It's not just first world to third world problems. There's people right here in America who, you know, they're lucky if they get to take a shower. And I'm bitching about that my favorite, which is still a pretty good shampoo, but it's not my favorite. Done. Uh, don't complain about the, the shampoo. No, I guess I'm digging that back up because it, it hurts so bad the psycho benefits of small victories okay um th for that one mine is we've talked about this a few times i have some sort of infatuation with drinking things um i always have to have some if you guys look right now if the youtube video can see it i have two drinks sitting right here next to me i don't necessarily touch them but i've got my coffee, my Seabag Locker coffee, and then I've got a bottle of water that some way through this podcast, I'll put a Strike Force Energy in. I always have to have some kind of flavor by, by liquid. Um, I have some kind of drinking thing. And for me, like when money gets tight, right, I'm pretty good, right? If I know that this bill has to be paid a day later, which means we're going to have to pay $25 more, and uh, things are just kind of stressful. If I have, you know, say $2, if I know that I've only got $2 in the bank, now I'm not saying to do this, this is an irresponsible way, but I'm trying to break it down to the simplest form. Okay, say that I, I have to make a decision to pay a bill late because this, that, and the other, whatever the reason is. But you have enough money to live for the foreseeable week. You've got it all planned out. For me, as long as I can afford to buy a $2 drink that I like, and I can sit down and enjoy that while I'm really sitting down and mapping out the bigger plan, that's a small victory. For that second, I can sit back with something that in, that 
I enjoy, and then figure everything else out. That's a small victory. Now, when you do that, what I found, and I know to this point it probably sounds selfish. People are like, dude, that's not financially smart. You're being selfish. There's... Hear me out. When you do that, um, you realize that things start to actually get better, right? Okay, I had $15 to grab myself uh, gas tomorrow, and, and I, but I can still afford one drink. You, you sit down, you enjoy, enjoy the drink, and then you make a bigger plan. You're taking more steps because now you're not sitting there going, well, I only have 15 bucks, and there's this, and there's that, and I, you know, I have all these problems. You can go, but you know what? I can grab my drink today. I can sit down. I can figure it out. Boom. Results come from that. And I've just found that since I've started doing that, things always seem to work out because I don't allow myself to get to a pity party state. I have small little victories, right? Okay. Um, hey, dude, it's it's July 4th weekend. You get paid the week before. Oh, shit. Okay, cool. And now I can pay that bill. And now it's this and that. And things just happen because you don't sit around and sulk. But you have to be willing to give yourself the small victories. I I talk about financial um, in, instability a lot because, guys, I'm not a good financial person. I'm not. I spend a lot. My wife saves a lot. She knows all of that stuff. Um, but I grew up very financially unstable. You know, my mom worked her ass off. But we didn't have a lot of money. For me, on a night, a small victory in my night would have been when my mom could be home to eat with us because that means I knew that she would stay up later watching TV with us. That was a small victory. We may not have had to have gotten to have filet mignon for dinner or anything because she had to take more time off to work. But the financial things didn't seem to matter. That's an immaturity that I have because of the mental connection that I've had to, well, you know, small financial inconveniences lead to better things. I'm cool with that. I have to be better about that. Um, but like I was saying when I before I went down memory lane there, um, and I may turn that pod, this podcast. I may, I may go down that route because it's something I was thinking about the other week, uh, like last week. I've never really told my upbringing story. I've, I've mentioned little things about it, but I've never really told it. Uh, and I might pause this podcast right now and throw all my notes out the window and just go down that road. Tell you guys about my childhood. Tell you guys about the mistakes that I made, um, the honest ones, but before the drinking, before stuff like that. And this may turn into a long podcast, but... I think it maybe gives you guys better understanding of of what I'm, who I am, where I'm coming from. So I don't even need to pause it. I'm going to jump right into it. And I apologize for taking such a left turn on you. But I think this is going to add more value than it will really change the podcast. So let me take a coffee break here. I'm going to take a drink and then we'll get into it. All right. So I was born and raised on the west side of Columbus, Ohio. I, uh, my mother, Jeannie, my dad, Rob, and my sister, Lauren. Um, that That's who I, that's my family. And then, so mom and dad were split way before I was born and, you know, or before I was old enough to know what was going on. So I mainly grew up with my mom. When I grew up with my mom, um, she had to work all the time, all the time, 
to try to provide for us, provide for me and my sister. So my sister pretty much raised me. Uh, my sister was four years older than I was. My mom was out so much she had to work that my sister pretty much raised me. Uh, obviously, my, my sister at the time would have been like 12, so I would have been 11, 10, 9, 8. That's my first real memory as a kid. That That's all I really know is starting in a house, a little house on the west side of Columbus, Ohio, and me and my sister being together. Well, then I got to be, uh, I don't know, I don't remember how old I was, but I met my best friend, Griff, and I don't talk much about Griff just because we, we lost communications, but I, I met Griff in preschool. His parents started taking care of me I think I was around fourth, third or fourth grade. And while at night, you know, my sister's the one that raised me, all through the day, it was Griff and his family. Uh, Erica and Chris were his parents. And my mom had to work so much that, you know, there was nights where I wouldn't see her at all. You know, she'd put me on the school bus and then that was it until I'd see her the next morning for when she'd be putting us on the bus again. So I would spend all day especially in the summer with Griff and his family. I lived there. I had a I had a spot to sleep there and everything. Most of my clothes were there. Um, that's just who I hung out with. I went to their family's parties and stuff like that. And uh, so I, I didn't get to see my mom a whole lot. My dad um, was, as I know it now, from talking to him and stuff, my dad had to work so much to pay his child support and still try to get ahead in life he was trying to build a better life for for me and my sister that uh, I didn't get to see him all that often I really didn't start seeing my dad until I was around 14 um, for real when him and I actually I had a place to sleep at his house and stuff like that so I know it now to be that's why he was gone but when I was coming up, I was always led to believe that my dad didn't care. He had other priorities. Um, he was a selfish son of a bitch, this, that, and the other. There was just a lot of voices telling me who my dad was. And because I didn't get to see him, I didn't know any better. So on the occasional weekend that he would come and pick us up, um, he would pick me and my sister up, take us. Usually he would take us out to something fun. You know, he would take us to Dave and Buster's and he would take us to Frisch's or something. He would make sure that somehow we had fun with him. And then, you know, yeah, we missed our mom, dude, because we've, we've heard all this bullshit about your mom is this, your dad is this. They're talking against each other and on both sides it's happening. And then, so yeah, you have your fun like any kid would do when you're going to Dave and Buster's and shit, but at the time, you're like, I want to go home to my mom. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm good. Time's over. I want to go. And, dude, that does something to a parent. Like, my dad felt that shit. Um, my, my dad felt that. And at the same time, my mom, she wanted us to have a relationship with our dad. But it was there was still a lot of hurt and anger there. Me, as an adult now, and this is going to be the hard part, is I'm going to keep switching mindsets to the adult that I am now and have to be real with the mindset that I had then so I saw that everybody wanted what's best for me now but at the time I only knew my dad didn't talk a lot right my dad didn't say a lot about my mom and things that had happened and their relationship is still freshly relatively freshly um broken off so there's resentment there but anyway so I grew up in a lot of negativity 
my mom and her side didn't care much for my dad. My dad never said much, but when he did, it wasn't real positive. And then his whole family um, would talk bad about my mom and her side. And man, oh man, is that a tough, that's a tough way to grow up, especially when you don't really get to see either one of them for long periods of time, right? I would have felt more emotional pain if someone would have talked bad about Chris and Erica, um, who raised me all the time. And it was just real confusing, man. I had so many hands in the pot. And then I saw this other family. I saw what families were supposed to look like, man. My, I call them my family. The Thatchers, they all the time, man, make sure I had clothes to eat. They made sure that I, or clothes to wear, food to eat. They had a drum set. They were big into music, which is why I still to this day attribute all my music love to the Thatchers. We had, it was a, a plus Griff had a little brother named Trey. So I had everything as a, as a young kid that I really needed. I had brothers, I had a father, I had a mother, I had everything I needed, I was taken care of. And I gave them my all the credit to my raising until I realized that they were, they should go down as saints in sainthood for what they did, taking me in and, and literally raising me. They should be considered saints for that. But I look at it now, and I didn't see the money that my mom had to pay them to do that. And the pain, the personal agonizing pain that she had to go through having to work so much, she knows she's not seeing her kids. And then I didn't see my dad on the other side upset because he's working so hard and can't catch up because of child support being back. And he's also still trying to move forward in life. And, but it's killing him because he knows what people are saying about him. That he's a shit dad and all this. But he has to choose for that time to keep his head down, keep working for the day of later when he can be in a position where he can fight for his family, me uh, and my sister. And that day came. It's hard now when you look at your whole situation like that. Because when I'm a kid... I just see it as my mom doesn't care enough to be around. My dad doesn't care enough to be around. And this family, you know, they're raising me, but sometimes I feel left out because I know I'm not a part of the family. And that's that's a big part, man. I think is why I had such trust issues coming up. I never knew who was going to be there. I never knew who was, who was going to um, care enough, you know, to stick around. And then at the same time, I had so many people that cared about me. It's just all perspective, you know? And my grandparents, so my grandparents, when I was real young, um, they raised me a lot. Um, on the times that my mom couldn't find a sitter or something like that, my grandparents would take us in always. And that was a real, that was a real honest thing for them to do, especially because they weren't, we didn't come from any sort of money, you know? My grandfather... He uh, retired from General Motors, and um, but at the time, when I was that young, he wasn't retired yet. He was still working, and they had, my grandparents had Marlena, Chris, Jean, Billy, four, four kids by the time they were like 22. So they had just stopped struggling from having kids that are all now into their late 30s. But they said, yeah, you know, you're our grandkids, you're our family. Well, of course, of course we'll take you. And then we lost the house um, that we lived in. 
and we had to go live with them. So now Griff and all them, um, yeah, I still went over there. It was in the same little neighborhood, but um, it wasn't as easy. So now I'm separated from the only real family that I know to be with my my actual family. And things were good. You know, things were good. Um, my grandparents always make sure made sure that we had what we needed, food, clothes, all that stuff. Uh, my mom still had to work a lot, but she was she was figuring things out and I was still very, very confused. I was still super confused. I still thought that my mom was there most and so what she said was probably true and my dad was fun to hang out with, but this time I think after years and years of frustrations, I get it now being a dad and being a dad who's trying to fight it all back uh, when you're trying to just get time with your kid but also trying to survive in, in a household that's not with that child it's hard it's really hard um, it's you're constantly in a struggle for your life and you just don't know what to do about it so to see it now when I would see the levels of anger and I've talked about issues that my dad and I've had where you know, things got a little more physical than maybe they needed to, and a lot of yelling and screaming and stuff like that, but as a man now with a child, I get it. I don't look at it as, well, you, you know, there was definitely some child abuse in your home. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe, but at the same time, you've got to be compassionate from where this guy's coming from. All he wants to do is be able to love you and he works his ass off and he's losing everything. Losing everything he has. Money's drying up and everything's going wrong. And then the one time he does get with you, he spends his $20 he really doesn't have to take you guys out and get you something to eat so that way it's special for you. Right? And um, and he's doing all that. And then at the very end of the night you go, yeah, but I, I want to go home and see my mom. You know, I, I don't want to stay the night here. Because... There's just not that safety there. And more time, as a kid, more time means safety. Once you get used to something, you want to go back to it. And especially when that other side is telling you how shitty this one is. It's a tough place to put a kid, man. It's, it's a real tough place. So I see it. I've been in situations now where I'll go and see my daughter. And I've, I'm fighting hard in the background too, just like my dad did. And my, I know my daughter doesn't get it, and you try to think of things the way that they see them, and you know that they're hurt. But you just got to keep fighting. And then, you know, she'll call me Cam instead of Daddy. And you're like, fuck, dude. Like, that hurts. That hurts. That's a serious hurt that unless you're a parent, I don't think it's possible to know. And I think it's even parents in that situation. It's a tough fucking situation to be in, man. But I get it now. I've come. That's why I've said I've come to peace with the past of both of my parents and the things that they've done. You have to. Because your parents are just you. They're just people. And they just tried to figure shit out when they were in their 20s and 30s too. Just like we're trying to figure it out now. Um, coffee break. So anyway. Then I got into high school. Um, again. Still. I was always taken care of. But we were never well off right I, I always had food and clothes and usually you know um, somebody could f financially figure it out to make sure we had the nicer clothes going into school um, but there was a lot of struggle 
in the background to make all that happen. So I want to stop right now and say thank you to my mother, my father, my grandparents, um, the Thatchers, everybody who made that happen for me. I want to say thank you equally to every part of that. Without you guys literally working as a team, a very dysfunctional but loving team, I wouldn't be here. So thank you. Um, thank you all for that. And so when I got into high school, man, I I was a very angry, rebellious, very self-insecure kid. Um, but I still kind of had a swagger about me, right? I knew there was something about me that people liked, but I didn't even know who the hell myself was. I was usually the funny guy. I would do a lot of shit to gain attention because that's how I grew up knowing if you wanted attention, that's how you got it. You had to be outlandish. You had to be crazy. But at the same time, I idolized people like Jim Carrey, and I loved movies that were funny. So comedy's always been a thing for me. I did stand-up comedy for a while. Um, but I was just always the kid. I could fit into any group. I played sports, and I hung out with the athletes, but I liked drama and music, and I was in band, too. Like, I had... I was known in all circles, the top and none of them. Pause. Boom. And sorry I had to take a pause. The camera died, but that's all right. We'll get it back. Um, so I was I was cool in all circles, but I was the, the leader in none. And there's some philosophy as to why I was this way, but the general belief is I grew up with all women pretty much. I had all aunts besides my uncle. He was doing his own thing. I didn't see him much. I had my aunts, my grandma, because um, my grandpa worked all the time, my mom, Erica. I had mainly females, my sister, who raised me. And... So when, when I was kind of always the outcast, I always was in a relationship coming up because that's, I like the affection. I like the attention from a very young age. I was like that. Um, and then to, to top all that off, I, when I was 17 years old, was told that I was going to have a child from one of the girlfriends. That's what I did. I would skip football and I would skip um, playing in band and all kinds of stuff to hang out with a girl or whatever. It's, I was just a weird, I guess, a normal teenage kid like that. I was told that I was going to have a child at 17. I'd be 18 by the time my son was born. And I went through all that. I dropped out of high school when I was 17 years old to start working and to try to build a life for this kid that I was going to have. And I dropped out of high school and everything. I was working 70-plus hours a week at Valvoline Instant Oil Change, and I had even doubled up on U UPS. I was working as a package handler at UPS at 17. Um, and then after my son was born, his mother and I split up. It just obviously young, immature, trying to raise a kid. It was literally 16 and pregnant all over again. Uh, we split up. I got my own place because I was working so much I could afford to get my own place. And... I was completely out on my own, and all in the same time, the reason that my son's mom and I split up was she had told me that my son wasn't mine. I confronted the guy who she said it was. His dad paid for a paternity test, and the only people that got those results were those two, the guy and his dad, because his dad paid for it, because remember, we're 17, um, and the guy and his dad skipped town, gone. Never knew the results. Um, and then my son's mom takes off with a guy we went to high school with. He joined the army. They moved to Germany. Took my son with him. Gone. 
Those are the only things I know. I've now dropped out of school and gotten my own place to again try to support for my family. They're gone. See you, bye. And I'm like, okay. Um, well, now I, you know, I had this whole plan set up as to what was going to happen. Financially, things were getting a little rocky. I had got a nicer place to try to accommodate for having a kid and stuff that was a little out of my price range. Um, so my sister moved in with me. My sister and I uh, lived in the same condo or the same. We had a townhouse kind of thing, apartment, I guess. And I was still working all the time and just trying to trying to make it, trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do. Because now I'm a general laborer. I don't have any education. I've got nothing because I, I spent everything that I had to, to take care of my kid. Now he's gone. So what the fuck am I going to do now? I'm a very broken kid at this point. And I call myself a kid because I'm 17, 18 years old by this point. 18 now. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? All my friends who are in high school, they're in that phase now where they're starting to smoke weed. They're starting to do some hallucinogens. They're starting to... Plus, I'm living with my sister, who my sister's crew did what they did. And we all lived together, for the most part. My friends were always crashing at my house because I'm the cool guy. I'm, you know, 18. I got my own place. I'm not living with moms anymore. Yeah, come do whatever you want to do at my house. We got dudes that can bring booze. We got dudes that can bring pot. We can do whatever the hell we want to do. You got people showing up with pills. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, especially, we were throwing parties on the weekend. So, the city of Galloway would come out. Would come out hard uh, to these parties. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, but I'm from Galloway, Ohio. It's right outside of the inner city of Columbus. It's right on the outside of what would be considered the city of Columbus. Um, but, yeah, so we would show up and show out. And, man, things would get wild. There was, I don't remember, 90% of my nights in that townhouse and I found out now that's what I did to try to cope with everything I ended up losing my job I ended up doing some alternative um, type jobs that were obviously not the way you should do things but in the environment that I was in it was the biggest way to make money um, and I had to do that and that stuff started to dry up you know you can't you can't use your own stash it's it's a bad business move. Don't don't take your own shirt off your own back, because when you do that and you've got all your life savings invested in it, it's uh, it's a dangerous road to go down. So I started to lose everything financially. Now I'm hooked on all these habits. I'm drinking a lot. I'm taking hallucinogens. I'm I'm smoking. I'm doing all kinds of stuff, and I now lose everything. I'm sure somewhere in there I've gone through a few dramatic, meaningless relationships that probably busted me up even more. I'm sure I did. I don't remember them now, but I'm knowing me, I'm sure. Um, everything falls apart. I, I'm running like a trap house of people that are all deadbeats by this point because the money's dried up. We're all scraping together nickels and dimes to try to buy blunt wraps and shit. It's over for me. I've got nothing. The apartment's about to get taken away. It's over. My mom sees all this. Kind of. She can't honestly know the full grasp of what happened in that place, but she might after she listens to this. Sorry, Mom. Um, and there was an end point for her. I showed up at her house one day. I think this was like 2000, 2009, 2010. I showed up to my mom's house and I said, uh, I've got a problem. 
I've taken this drug called triple C's. I'm about to trip my balls off for the next 10 hours, but I'm afraid. Because last time I did it, um, the one rule with triple C's is if you start coughing up blood, you immediately need to go to the hospital because you're, you're probably bleeding internally. It's, it's a very dumb drug. It's a hallucinogen, but it, it was big when I was in high school. Because, um, again, it was, a, it was like doing acid, but for 10 hours. And I told her, I said, this is the potential. If I start throwing up blood, you need to take me to the hospital, but I'm scared. And I don't know what to do. So she calls this state-funded detox center and puts me in it. So now I'm already tripping actual balls while I'm being detained, put in a detox center, all this craziness. I was there for, I don't know how long. I think they kept me for like 12 hours or something. My mom took me home and she said, look, I am done with this shit. I've tried to help you pay your rent i've tried to help you do this i've turned a blind eye to some of the crazy shit you're doing but i'm done so here's what i've done i've got a recruiter's phone number and you're gonna fucking go see him got me and at this point i'm like well what choice do i have you know what freaking choice do i have now the apartment's gone i'm gonna lose that i'm obviously not doing so well sure why not this it at least settles my problem because she said i'll pay for your rent if you go to the army the National Guard even. I don't even have to go to the full Warren Army. She just wanted me to go National Guard. So I did that. Shipped off in 2010. And then the rest is pretty much history. Um, so in a very small window of being one person, I completely flipped and became another. I went from a, a drug-using, immature 18-year-old with a ton of hurt to now I'm a U.S. soldier who's actually kind of figured out what discipline is and I've got, sort of got my head on the right track, but not even close to being, because I'm still only 18. And then you guys know, that's where I got married and I carried all that stuff, everything I just talked about for the last 10 minutes, I carried all that with me into a new marriage uh, with an older person who had already had a child. And then, like I said, the rest is history. So... I hope that any of that made sense. I'm sure it didn't because um, it, it's going to be hard in hindsight for people to see. And some of that sounds a lot worse than it is. But I want everyone to remember we were all kids at one time. And I think that's one of the notes in my phone. I'm going to check it after I um, drink, take a coffee break. But yeah, we all have a past. Mine is not glamorous. And I know that. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've done a lot of things um, that have hurt a lot of people, and I've done a lot of uh, things that have hurt myself. But I've come to peace with all of those things. When you can't live that life and get out of it to become a better person if you don't at least come to accept the fact, okay, I did that. I did that, but I don't have to continue to do that. Um, that's where I am now in life as a whole. But maybe... Some of you can see, I was a hurt kid who was always trying, I was always trying, honestly, to do the next right thing. I was trying to take care of a kid, I was trying to, I was trying to grow up earlier, I was trying to be responsible. And I don't blame anybody involved, but there are people who made decisions that significantly impacted my life that I didn't know how to properly deal with. 
everybody's looking out for everybody in a sense, but I didn't know how to process all that as a kid. I didn't know that, you know, somebody took off with a kid that was supposed to be mine just because they wanted something better for them and their kid. You know, they probably saw the wreckage that I was becoming. Um, I, I don't know. But that's all stuff that is truly me. And I, what am I going to do, lie about it? I mean, people get so concerned. Well, you know, maybe you shouldn't tell so much. But it's it's me. Anybody who knows me now knows I'm not that person. And anybody who knows me now knows that I love every member of my family. I've forgiven everybody for every mistake they've made because most of the time I would have made the same. Being a parent or being a spouse or being whatever. Being a sibling. Even being a friend. I didn't mention the fact that, you know, Griff, when I moved in with my grandparents, he started to make other friends. And the only person I knew that was always down for me, always ready to ride with me, was Griff. And when we got to middle school, we went to two different middle schools because of where we lived. It was just in different zones. I went to Prairie, uh, what the hell was the name? He went to Prairie Norton. I think mine, Pleasant View. He went to Prairie Norton. I went to Pleasant View in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and we stopped talking. You know, he got a whole new group of friends. Griff is the most talented dude I've ever met on a drum set. Um, but we just, we kind of split up. You know, we we stopped talking. Uh, our families stopped talking and things just moved, moved on. And that was hard. Because now I'm more left to my own devices. I was 14 by that point. 13, 14. I'm starting to, you know, my grandparents are taking care of me, but now I'm a teenage boy, you know, good Lord knows what's going on inside of all that. Um, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you, honestly, couldn't even tell you what, what really did happen. And then we, Griff and I reconnected in the middle of my, um, when things went bad with my son's mom, I still call him my son, we, we don't know, um, but I've told you guys, I get to talk to him sometimes, when things went bad between my son's mom and I, Griff kind of chose their side, because a lot like my my situation with my parents, um, with my mom talking bad about my dad and my dad talking bad about my mom, same thing was going on with my son's parents, or my son's mom. They were talking shit about me, saying I'm all this, and I abandoned my kid, and all this craziness. And I'm going, hey, I didn't do any of that. You know, I, I'm honestly telling you the truth. I didn't do any of that. I left her because of this situation. They took off together. I don't know what the hell happened. And Griff chose their side. Um, just because we all came up together. And um, he might have seen some of the, the wreck that I was becoming too. And he was like, yeah, I get it. You know, I get it. But we've since rekindled. I just saw him when I was down um, in Columbus for the Arnold. Him and I got to talk. And... Uh, it's been great. I I still to this day struggle. It's always been a struggle for me. When I have friends in my life, I don't let many people come in now. I don't. I have people who I consider my friends that I would go back to that old lifestyle for. As far as some of the things that I did. But I... I can't honestly say that I feel I have people that if I called them and said, hey, dude, this is going down, I need you, that people would start clicking car doors and start moving. I don't know. I've got a few, 
I've got a few that I think if I called them and it was bad enough, you know, they'd, they'd jump too. But Griff um, and a lot of the people that were with me during that time of craziness in the townhouse, I got to the point where if they called, I was already moving towards the car. If they called or, you know, if they called me, I'm already moving. If we're not already together. And when I stopped that life to go to the army, all that died with it. Because it's a lifestyle. It was a lifestyle that I lived. And you can't, those two can't be compatible. Not to mention the geographical moving and, and stuff like that. You just, it's not something you can carry with you. And But that's a kind of camaraderie and a brotherhood that you literally can't get back. You can't. Not as a reasonable adult. Um, as a reasonable adult, we all got families. We all got bills to pay. We are, you're not living in a, a protected lifestyle anymore. You've got to live the world. And the life is happening to them just as much as it's happening to you. So how selfish can you be to ask somebody to drop what they're doing and come? Thank God I don't have those kind of problems anymore. Really. <laughs> I haven't had to call someone on a dime and be like, I need you here right now in a long time. Uh, and I'm grateful for that. A lot of that comes with sobriety. And guys, I know that this podcast has been all over the place. Um, I'm sure most, this is only almost a 45 minute, it is 45 minutes. And I went off on a fucking tangent. Um, I don't know if you guys found any value in this. I don't know if you guys um, believe it, honestly. There's a lot about my story that people were like, dude, there's no fucking way. Like, you made that up. I can only tell you my story as it actually happened, um, from my perspective as well. It, that's only my perspective of things, how I remember them. We all know that sometimes that can get a little jaded. So I hope you guys did enjoy this podcast. I hope maybe you gained something from it. I want to put in the disclaimer right now. Like I said, I love every single person that I've talked about here today. And, uh, you know, besides some exes that do crazy I, my family right I'm talking I love every member of my family Griff his parents my friends that I still haven't talked to for years I would still do anything for them um, any member of any family that said anything bad about each other I've let all that stuff go and we all have good relationships I can say honestly everybody that I talk to in a daily basis I have a solid relationship the only one that I need to improve on is the one with my sister. My sister and I don't talk much, uh, and I would like to fix that. Griff and I don't talk much, but I'm hoping to tag him in this podcast. Maybe he'll hear it, and maybe he'll hear my side of it, and also hear that I'm sorry for anything that I may have done that I'm not seeing uh, correctly. Or maybe it was just life. Yeah, maybe it was just life that, that pulled us all in our separate directions, and I'm grateful for where I am now you know I would never have Nicole or Taya or uh, Aiden or I wouldn't have any of that stuff the things that I'm now getting to enjoy if I wouldn't have struggled like that you know like I said um, Aiden calls sometimes I'm working on my relationship with Taya and Nicole and I the love of my life is about to have a, a baby in October so how mad can I really be that I've had to s struggle and hurt for a few years I'm coming through it. I'm still only 27. So if you guys think about it, the craziest time of my life when things were so crazy and wrecked 
was not even 10 years ago. Almost, I'm almost um, two years from now to be 10 years. But we learn. We learn every day. We get better, hopefully every single day. And you try to let the bad things of the past go. And with that, I'm going to end this podcast. So I love you guys. I hope that you found value in this. And I didn't just lose every all the 30 followers that I get that listen to these podcasts. But guys, I love you so much. And remember, when life seems to be falling apart, hold it together. Down in my phone, see another missed call. I'm pissed off. I never had these problems back when I was pissed poor. Scared to see my daughter now because I'm lost in the life. In the bathroom, getting high when she called twice. Sorry, but I'm scared to look at something so precious when I'm a mess. And her mother know it. I wonder if she ever regrets. Trying to convince my family that I'm only gone for these checks. But really, I'm obsessed with getting my revenge through success. Cause people hated on me. How could I not show them? Fans waited on me. Damn, how do I not own? Imagine having to make that decision while baby girl's in the kitchen. Tears dripping, wondering where her pop's going. But I never meant to make you unhappy. Can I see that smile? Phone's ringing. Hey, I want with my child. Anyways, I want to write you a symphony, but instead she said all I ever wanted was you to stay a while. Damn. So long since you've gone away Five years to be more specific I was out trying to sign to Atlantic You crossed the Pacific Now is it coincidence that my first instrument Was a violin that my father wanted for me So he ended up buying And now the instrumental that we're vibing to Got one high in it And while I'm writing my first verse He called me up crying That shit is crazy Half a decade with no explanation Now you're asking if it's too late to save us Man, I don't know So I hang up without saying nothing Just click in Wasn't man enough to say it So I wrote with a pen I just wanted to make you happy But you never smile I just wanted that phone call that said your daddy's proud Anyways, maybe eventually we'll relive memories And you'll be next to me and both of us can stay a while Yeah
And if you're still with me, I want to give a huge shout out to all the sponsors of this podcast. I love you guys. You guys mean the world to me. Seabag Locker Coffee and Seaside Coffee Company. Same owners. Split uh, decisions on the coffee that you get. You want more of a straight black, straight to the point kind of coffee. Seabag Locker is your go-to. If you want some flavors up in that joint, Seaside Coffee. Uh, You can use code CAMFIT on either one. And then we got... Strike Force Energy. Uh, if you want to try to get off all them Red Bulls and the craziness that you're drinking right now, hit up Strike Force Energy. Uh, I've actually got a package right here in front of me. I need to do a giveaway for these guys. It has uh, 16, oh no, I'm sorry, has 80 milligrams of caffeine per little packet. I usually just put one in. I used to do two, but I'm trying to chill out on the caffeine. Guys, go over, check them out. It's cheap. I think you can get. Uh, a box. I've got a box, or I have a couple boxes of the 40 counts of the little things. Then you get a box for like 20 bucks. I think something like that. Either way, you can use code CAM20 and get 20% off and uh, give it to them aspartame filled crazinesses that y'all are drinking. As always, I want to show love. Ambition Threads Co. You can always use code CAM5 at Ambition Threads Co. and know how much I love you guys. Thank you so much.